I should leave some space so I could put the drop. Oh, yeah. Recently, I've only been using the one drop, which is like our most substantial drop, maybe. Mm -hmm. Depends on how you view it. We've had a lot of really dope people in here, but Ali Shahid Mohammed mm -hmm. and, and Adrian Young, I got them to do a drop for us. You were there. Yeah. You were there for that one. And so that's the one I use all the time. Because when yeah. people pick it up, they're like, oh, they, damn, they got Ali Shahid Mohammed yeah, of man. a tribe called Quest. What a guy. That was, this, a, that was a cool day, actually. Th that was uh, one of the highlights of my adult hip hop life, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, I met a lot of my heroes, you know, like I met Aesop Rock is one of my favorites. I met him and a lot of cats, but like Ali Shaheed Muhammad has this kind of like ethereal type of, mm. it, it's almost like, like strange to see him as a human walking around and shit. Yeah. Like you just imagine that he does shit different and then you forget like, yeah, he, he wipes his ass like the rest of us, and, <laughs> you know? But so. the way those two came in as well, like how they were dressed, how they like turn up with the entourage, yeah. just the right amount of lateness. Like it was kind of like, yeah, like they were sort of letting you know subtly who's in charge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but in the most sweetest way, not, like, not yeah. as people, but just. They know. came bearing gifts too. They brought me like three records, three of their wow. newest records. And like Adrian Young had on like fucking those type of 80s, like driving gloves but yeah, with the, yeah, the yeah. fingernails cut off like some, some real like some beach street type of shit you know what i mean but they were so dapper too like yeah. they had the, like the dress pants and the 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 vest it was a really dope experience i'm glad you got to share that too because i had a good time that day yeah me too man. Yeah. did he tell you about that yeah i remember when you when you went to that yeah. i was like yeah it was <laughs> You know, we, we did that in the studio. We didn't do that here. We did that in the studio in, like, Gotanda or some shit like Something that. Like but, that, yeah. Yeah. but, yeah, it was, it was really, really dope. But, yeah, um, uh, I'll just, I'm going to keep all that in right there. I wanted to play the, the, the beat so you guys could hear. Um, and you guys can hear outside, too. It's raining, and I'm just going to keep that rocking, I guess. I, I don't know for now. Yeah, man. Yeah, all the, uh, all the beats, all the musical bed on this Part two of episode number 126 are brought to you by Soul Dope 95. I'll put his link in the bio. Uh, really talented, dope beat maker. One of the best out right now. Um, I can't say it enough. I'm going to keep on rocking with his beats probably until like, I don't know, an episode or two from now when I'll pick up another like Tokyo based artist. But keep keep paying attention to him. Go to his Instagram, follow him. And um, while you're there, tell him Megalay Show sent you. And episode number 126, part B, part two, um, I'm not even sure how I should call it, but it is that, is the second part of our recording with um, Aaron Cholai, my brother Aaron Cholai, uh, pianist, Brazilian jiu-jitsu wizard, uh, uh, Western Kodo. Western Kodo. <laughs> professional. You know what I mean? Professional, yeah. right. Uh, just just an all-around swell type of guy. Uh, also, one of the uh, maybe the the Black Voltron line of Namboku Records. The Black Voltron. I mean, that's the head, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not yeah, just because yeah. you like black folks too, but you know what I mean. Like, but the head. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that yeah. works out. Yeah, yeah. A and we're here with um, his partner in crime, uh, another uh, uh, an actual Kodo player, uh, the bass Kodo and Kodo, as well as a singer songwriter as well too. Is that accurate to say? A little bit. A little bit? Well, you got bars. I heard you singing some shit. That was dope. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, uh, Miyama McQueen Tokita. Yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was, you know what I mean? The, the recording started. See? Told you the recording started messing up, so I, I stumbled some. But um, yeah, thanks for continuing to record with me. I want you guys to go back and listen to uh, part one, where we had some really insightful conversations about 
um, her experiences as an artist, as well as I, I got hip to exactly what's going on with the Kodo. I know how many strings, how <laughs> tall they are in centimeters. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I know where the cool kids at in Tokyo with it, too. Yeah, man. At the chicken <laughs> spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was the chicken spot. They eating chicken. So, word. Um, this part, we just talk shit. Like, how are you guys? Uh, what? It, I don't know. Did you guys see the hieroglyphics um, documentary? The Hyro Day Souls of Mischief documentary that came nah. out a couple no. weeks ago? Super dope. Huh. They did, like, a live stream um, and a live stream performance. But the first, like, hour and a half was a documentary on the Souls of Mischief. And so they talk about how they got started, when everybody joined, how they live close to each other. And then they kind of go through several tracks and talk about how they were created. And everybody's there, you know, like A+, Opio, uh, Festo, Pep, and, and like Dell. Dell looks kind of crazy. Dell is not aging well, I don't think, man. Oh, he, no. looks kinda, he looks kind of older than the rest of them. How man. old were those dudes being out? They gotta be like mid mid forties. Yeah, right. Yeah, mid late forties probably. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them was like fifty. I forget who yeah, the oldest one was. I was gonna say. Yeah, these days, like, how old is Jay Z now? He's fifty, at least. right? Fifty two, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when yeah. I heard Jay Z was like in his fifties, I was like, well, everyone else must be like sixty. Right, <laughs> right. But I guess it's well, not quite that. Jay's been. I mean. Like, what does that make Rakim and, and those type of guys? Jay's actually not much younger than them because Jay's been making music since, like, the the late 80s, I think, yeah. when he started rapping. But he was doing all that Hawaiian Sophie uh, mm. fast double-time Big Daddy Kane style raps. Yeah, when he was on that Big Daddy Kane song, it was, like, what, 88, 89, I think, right? Yeah, so he Maybe. must be around this, just, like, a couple of years younger than yeah. those dudes. It's interesting to see, like, these guys aging you know like yeah. i'll be feeling old as shit but then when i see them i'm like oh man like yo cool herc is old as shit now yeah, yeah. that aging differently I've, i feel like jay-z's aged the best like not just physically but like he's Music kind of grown way. with his persona and his character mm. and he's evolved and yeah. Well, to me, like people look the oldest and of age the worst is when they like getting up in age but still acting like they're in their twenties. Right, yeah. I, and I think I think that might be kind of like what's going on with Dell. You know, like he's yeah. he he he's he's had. I guess he's probably had enough money to kind of live somewhat comfortably off of his career, especially that that gorillas, Clint Eastwood money. Mm -hmm. But you know, he's probably been smoking trees and drinking for the last thirty years, mm -hmm. and so when you're drinking that much, it catches up to you. Yeah. And that's what I look when I look at him. He looked puffy like he's been drinking a lot. Yeah, I, I don't want to make this a, like a Dell hateathon because I love <laughs> Dell. Man, he was like the, one of the reasons I have a, this nose piercing is probably because of that Dell catch a bad one video. I was like, oh my god, that guy's is that what it means to be cool? It's either that or the Kodo. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, but yeah, uh, if you guys haven't checked out that documentary, I I highly highly recommend yeah, we it. Should check that out. Yeah, I, I, don't, I had YouTube. no idea it was out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. Oh, YouTube. Saying. Okay, I was thinking yeah. Netflix. No, no, it's on it's on YouTube. Okay. I don't know. I'm still hooked on the um the last uh, last, last dance. dance. I he watch that, watched that once like, a week. I reckon. Yeah, he just it's puts it like, in the background like it's a radio now. Yeah, it, it's such a dope documentary. It's though. so good. It, it really is. is unbelievable. I hear it is. I just I you know I just never follow the NBA. My brother did. So I'm like, I'm kind of like, I feel really happy. Like my brother watched it yeah. and he's like, man, you just got to do something. 
yeah. after you watch it, I'm like, that's, that's great. And so I feel really nice for them, for Aaron and for my brother. It's like, that's really you nice. You watch it and you're like, yo. It gets me hyped. Like, yeah? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. yeah, fuck you. I mean, hearing bits of it and you tell me about it, I'm like, that sounds incredible. Jordan is like almost a like neurotically driven like person yeah. when it comes mm. to competition. Mm. Like, I think he probably av- approaches his life in a very competitive way. You know, mm-hmm. with the gambling, with just like athleticism. Even now, I bet you when he sees LeBron, he's like, I could take this guy. Oh, yeah. Know, like, I'm, I could take this guy right now. You know, like, it, it, and it's dope to see that, especially if you're a person who doesn't inherently have a lot of those qualities, I think. Like, yeah. I, I'm not that competitive to be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not like Tyson. I'm going to eat your kids. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not either. I don't think I'm competitive, but. There's something about like, I don't know, just like showing up like he does, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's also just the arc of that story um, and how it all ends is like, is incredible, you know? Like, I don't, it's definitely not the same thing, but I, I think it, as a musician, you can kind of relate to it. Like when you're in bands and stuff, like you end up with like, you know, the right five guys for a period of time, you're making the best shit ever and somehow like it all fucks up. Yeah. Whatever. It's like, I don't know. There's something relatable about it, I think, musically. I mean, but if you're watching it that much, that's kind of a problem. We might need to have an intervention if it's just on <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah. And I, I say I'm that as a person that watches shit all the time. I put like, it on like a record, over. though. Like, I don't I don't watch it. Like, I'll, it's on when I'm cooking. It's on when I'm drinking coffee in the morning. Like, I just have it going. <laughs> you you be cooking, like, I don't know, Indian food and be like, game six is like, it's going down. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I'm just... <laughs> Yeah, and like I'll say like, oh, you're gonna watch that again. And he's like, yeah, because and you'll get into. It. I was like, oh, that's yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you watch? Um, I've been <laughs> lately. My lately, lately, I've been watching the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Oh wow! <laughs> but this is this is wow. this is new for me. How much she only it just discovered that I only recently got into the new okay. the Real Housewives thing, and I was like, look, you know who got into it first? Oh, dude, your boy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but from way back in the day, though. I'm, I'm, I he, get he addicted to trash so, TV. Like, he got into like, the New Jersey one or something. I was like, and I'd hear it from the next room. It's like, and I'm like, what the fuck are you watching? Dude, I'm, I don't judge me all you want. I love <laughs> shit I will. television. <laughs> yeah. And I really I, do. I finally, I'm, I'm on it. It's yeah. just too, like, uh, hyper reality for me. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, just, yeah. Like, it, it, I can't really handle it for more than a few minutes before I start to feel like it's some type of parasite that's going to latch on to me and I'm going to start talking like a sassy black woman from Atlanta. It will, though. It will. Is he talking like that around the house? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, I can't I can't sit through a whole episode. Like, it stresses me out. Like, I, I'll watch it and then I have to step away, but then I always come back. Like, there's something... It's like eating spicy nuts or something, like where it really, really hurts. You don't want to keep doing it, but <laughs> there's something addictive about the pain. Yeah. The discomfort of it. Yeah. Well, see, the problem with spicy food is like eventually it starts to affect your palate in a way that other foods don't taste good unless they're spicy. Mm-hmm. It really fucks up your palate. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm now not, now you can't handle so regular television. Only hyper reality. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, a, there's plenty of it out there, so I don't feel like I'm going to get a... I'm going to go through a withdrawal soon. But, I mean, I don't know. Look, I can't justify it. I hate myself for liking that shit, but I do, man. I watch trash all the time. Yeah. I mean, I try to, like, regulate it to some degree, but no. I don't don't do reality television much at all. I can't remember the last Mm. reality TV show that I really watched like that. 
Mm. It, I don't know. I, I I dated a girl for a long time. She was into like Flavor of Love. You know, know, like Flavor of Love is like a, a dating show where there's a mansion and then Flavor Flav has to like find the girl that he's going to, I don't oh know, nice. fuck more consistently. Because it wasn't <laughs> like they were getting married. So it was like, yeah. there, there's like this thing. It's like, okay, so this is how Flavor Flav is in his day-to-day life. And it's like, oh, there's all these women who are like trying to be on TV, yeah. but also trying to win a competition. But oh. also potentially have to fuck Flavor Flav. Like, That's it's like a really fun, actually. Yeah, it's, it's it, it, uh, the emergence of that whole kind of approach to television is just strange. And it, it becomes mm. like so pervasive that it's like uh, it, it crosses over even to other television shows now, like other genres of TV, where you have the same kind of approach to the storytelling as reality TV, but without the actual like self-awareness of the cameras right i don't know uh, yeah well and it goes the other way too because like you hear about um you know the producers are just like controlling the participants and like they're actually being yeah. controlled and stuff and you're like oh, okay right that sucks it, it really is that um hyper reality like mm. that baudrillardian like mm. copy of the copy of the copy until it's no longer what it's supposed to be whatsoever mm. like pumpkin spice lattes right Mm-mm-mm. it's like the it's not the pumpkin it's not the pumpkin spice. It's it's no longer anything. It's this idea of pumpkin spice. Yeah. It's weird. Are you guys familiar with like Baudrillard and um, Jean Baudrillard, uh, Simulacra and Simulation? It's no. like basically what the Matrix is based on. But essentially, like the way that um, reality copies itself, eventually it becomes so far removed from what it was originally supposed to symbolize that it is no longer the thing at all. But it becomes this representation for a thing. It's weird. It's all yeah. weird stuff. See, I don't want to get like too deep dive on that type of shit, but I definitely recommend everybody read that shit. Yeah, okay. right. Yeah, yeah. What, what is it? Is it like uh, philosophy? Or yeah, 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 it's philosophy. I think he comes from like the post structuralist tradition of critical theory and, and yeah, whatnot. Right. So hold on. Maybe I can. I was wow. just reading something about it uh, like an idiot. Okay, here we go. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, so this exact thing. So, um, like, simulation is like four steps, right? The first step is the images are a reflection of a profound reality, like a picture of a pumpkin is, like, a real thing. And this is the first simulation, right? A real pumpkin pie in front of you is the real thing. The first step of simulation is a picture of it. So Mm. it represents kind of the the object almost directly, right? And then the second one is images that mask um, the profound reality. A picture of the pumpkin pie is like a shitty version of the real thing. And then third is like the image masks the absence of a profound reality. The pumpkin was a lie. Okay. Okay. And then the last one is like the image has lost all connection to reality. It's pure simulation. Like pumpkins are a natural phenomenon and the picture is a lie. And then you just had a napkin uh, that is supposed to represent the the pumpkin pie. It's a very strange hmm. type of thing. But yeah, so next time you drink a pumpkin spice latte, um, just remember you're all... Well, that's the thing. I never had one before. I think well, it's good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you kind of did watching this Housewives show. I was going to say, all of a sudden, ah. I somehow feel bad for watching this show. <laughs> <laughs> and you should. No, I'm just kidding. I, you know what I've been watching? I've been watching Moesha. 
What's that? Oh, uh, shit. Man, Mo- Moesha, you know the singer Brandy, right? Yeah. Uh, Brandy and Monica. and the yeah. like She had a television show in the 90s called Moesha. Uh-huh. And it was just like this black family in Lamert Park, Los Angeles. And it's like a, just a family sitcom. <laughs> and I've been watching that because... Um, the producer is actually Bus Driver's father, the rapper Bus oh. Driver, um, f- uh, Ralph Farquhar. And so Bus Driver was on the show. It's quite interesting. Rapping and like some real hyper-reality of, of the Good Life Cafe. Because the Good Life Cafe and um, Project Blowed used to happen in Lamert Park. Or at least uh, Project Blowed happened in Lamert Park. It was this avant-garde rap community. And so a lot of the things in the show have that kind of sprinkling of real things like... Yeah, right. Like I didn't that. realize yeah. that. Do you listen to Bus Driver? No. Oh, man. Uh, he's a contemporary... Like a contemporary Weird rap he's music. A, he's a rapper in LA. I don't know. Yeah, right. Should I play some Bus Driver? Yeah. Sure. Yo, it's, speaking of throwback 90s TV shows, Miyama just discovered who the Waynes brothers were. Like yeah. literally two days ago. We watched oh, really? Bulletproof the other day. Oh, man. And like Aaron hadn't seen it. And I was like, I was going to Aaron Sandler and Damon Wayans. And, and Aaron's like, oh, yeah. The Wayans brother. I mean, they're like uh, one of the most like um, champion black families of comedy. Yeah, Google. Yeah. It was like Ke- amazing. Keenan Ivory is like he created uh, In Living Color, which launched so many people's careers. Yeah. Tommy yeah. Davidson, David Allen Greer, Jim Carrey. Um, yeah, right. Jamie Foxx. Mm. Uh, so many people's careers were launched off of that show. I used to watch yeah. it every every weekend with uh, my family. It was like a family time show. Mm. Yeah, Jennifer Maybe. Lopez was one of the Fly really? Girls. Yeah, oh, wow. I forget that we missed a lot of that shit in Australia. Like well, I was gonna say, is it also because like I grew up without a TV? There's that for sure. Yeah, yeah. but it also like there wasn't any internet back then. And, like, mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know how I know that stuff though. I guess I was you know like a lot more about like US stuff than I do. Well, I moved there when I was 14, so I probably just 14. I was 14, 19. Um well not moved, but like I started. Yeah. But like kind of politics and stuff mm. too. It's like all over. But like everybody but Americans is much more worldly than Americans. Like I I meet people here and they can tell me like the way that our government works like they know that you know <laughs> they know the the three parts of government they know yeah. like and and i'm here in japan like wait so like the parliamentary system works like they can just be like yeah. this is the new head of the country and yeah. it's like oh, okay but i mean it, the u.s is kind of like it's it's kind of unique because right. it does kind of there's an element of like revolving around the yeah. u.s public like you, people need to know about it uh, especially when it comes to like popular culture there is very much like an americanized hegemony of pop culture and it's oh, yeah. changing now somewhat but still like yeah. we we influence so much yeah. so uh, you kind of need to know about like yeah. what a senator is if you're going to like watch right. certain movies or something also you'll hear about like george w bush when you know like you're like oh this country's really being bombed by okay mm. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, here goes some bus driver i'll play some really this is probably the most popular bus driver track and it's one that i really dislike but it's oh. it's it, it came out like it's off temporary forever maybe 20 years ago now so And the shoulder around the mansion, every place is putting money, love, and my blood is dumb. And the bull have a spot, it's a perfect circle. Not in your sleep, but the sky at your feet. I'll treat you when you have your own identity, you will find peace. How did you do it? I don't know, I'm okay. Every person I know is a secret story agent. Cause I'm accused of lewd conduct. Stole the heart to rape her prom side. And I got a woman for my arrest and put me in a little bit of funny farm. Cause I'm gonna get it, but I'm just trying to hold your hand. When yeah, but I, I mean, he's got so many different styles that it is, um. 
it's hard to pin him down. He's yeah. a real artist. Like, yeah, he's like. Um, so what's like the era here? What's that? What's the era? Bus driver's been making music since the mid '90s. Like, um, right. all the cats that all the cats from the Good Life Cafe were highly influential to a variety of different artists who blew up in different ways. Like, um, Micah Nine, Freestyle Fellowship, definitely Bone Thugs and Harmonies got their sing-song flow from Micah Nine in a lot of ways. Um, Ice Cube basically bit Volume Ten style when he started doing the whole. Uh, West Side Connection style. Put the ting, switch up, put the ching. You know what I mean? That yeah, that yeah. Ice Cube, very different than what he was doing on like Bitch I Ain't the One or mm. or uh, any of the NWA shit. So a lot of people jack from them, and he's from this really avant-garde art community of of cats. Like yeah. very he's influenced by jazz and he's high done, black art. He's done a bunch of stuff with um Boone. He's uh, I don't do you know Boone? He's a beat maker out here oh yeah he's actually a senpai from um tokyo gerda he he studied cello and composition but now makes beats yeah i i I, um i know exactly who you're talking about he did a joint with olive oil too oh he did didn't yeah Yeah, this is this one right here yeah but he's got styles for days like that's what those guys were all about like being very unique and making sure that nobody was biting each other and and yeah. also uh, very much a culture like a an art culture based upon improvisation and the freestyle and being able to get open just at any any given time. Mm. Yeah, you I, I, I mean I love like some of his stuff is more unconventional. This is him with olive oil. It's, it's so crazy to hear him on olive oil. He reminds me a lot of Aesop Rock. Him and Aesop Rock are actually like, they have the highest vocabularies according to this chart here. Yeah, but he's oh, from the same chart. cloth. They've worked. He's worked with Aesop. Uh, you know, yeah, they're right. contemporaries. They're they're homies mm-hmm. and shit. But he he's uh, more sing song style type of MC, like mm. almost like spoken word poetry at times, but yeah. also super rhythmic. Like he does like straight up jazz type of joints. Like like this joint is like straight. Jazz. So many, so many different styles. Yeah. Like, like uh, he's one of my favorites, but I he's not an artist that I recommend to people because if I'm like, yo, check out Bus Driver, they go, they look at an album, like this is, I'm not for me. But he has such a long and diverse career of so many different approaches that are all uniquely him. Like, this is like 2007, so different than. Quite interesting guy. I don't like all of his stuff, but I he's one of my favorite artists for sure. Wow. So who's who's one of your favorite artists? Like who are you fucking with? I know you like rap shit a lot, actually. Yeah. Well, so, like, but I mean, talking to you, I, you know, 
I don't know nearly as much as you do, but nobody does. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, like yeah, don't feel that way. Like I, I mean, it, it's it's available for everybody. I just like mm. hyper focus on some things. Mm-mm. Well, you know, I was originally like, I I was really influenced um, by my older brother um, about what I listened to, and it started with like we started listening to Jimi Hendrix. And like a lot of sixties stuff because of the Forrest Gump soundtrack. I oh believe. yeah, that was the first. Thing. Shout out to that soundtrack. Yeah, it's a lot we of got jams a lot on of there. Stuff from there, and um, and then we got into yeah Jimi Hendrix really heavily, and then it turned into hip hop because one day I guess, uh, yeah, a friend of his like made a mixtape for him, and Aesop Rock, um, Daylight was on it. Hey, and we were like, whoa. <laughs> On a on a mini disc, and so I was like 17 at the time. Is I'm like listening to this, um, and so that's like Francis one of the most popular um, Aesop tracks. Oh, for probably sure. Probably that and like None Shall Pass. Probably. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Sage Francis too. Yeah. Uh, you might be like the only the second person that's ever brought up Sage Francis on the podcast. Right. Because like so yeah like around my teenage years to like early 20s I was like I was all about like Aesop Rock, Blockhead. Um, Sage Francis. Rhyme Sayers. Atmosphere, right. Slug. Atmosphere, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, when, but now, like, I'm kind of removed from it. And it's like, people know who Aesop Rock is, but, like, Sage Francis doesn't really come up. Yeah. I mean, he still's making music. Uh, he's mm. got a pretty strong fan base of people that yeah. like his stuff. I've sure. always liked him. He's. I have a problem with some white MCs, <laughs> like, for reasons, but. I'm really down with the white MCs that don't try to be black at all. Mm. And like Sage, mm. never about that. Very aware of his position within hip hop culture, never yeah. a culture vulture, never yeah. never using it to like catapult his career into like some other direction. Like he's a hip hop head mm. who loves the culture. So I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Sage. Mm. Uh, he came out with some shit with uh, B. Dolan called the Epic Beardman. Uh, like uh, a last yeah, year, yeah. I haven't or actually listened to it, but it's got some joints yeah. on it. You know, it's like he, his his content hasn't changed, so he's still mm. rapping about the same type of things. Right, yeah, right, right, right. But yeah, like I'm with my like listen to music. I'm very much the same as how I order it. Like when I go out to eat or where I go out to eat. Like when I have my favorites, I just listen to it all the time. Like Wu Tang, Thirty Six Chambers, like um, Sage Francis, Hope. Okay, yeah. Uh, non-profits. Non-profits, yeah. yeah. And, That's um, really good. Can I play that? You know any of this stuff, Aaron? You fuck with the... Uh, a uh, little bit, to be honest. I've, I Aaron's like way more like old school, like very yeah. conservative in his hip-hop. So like he, he doesn't consider... Or he he didn't... Like we have this conversation about like is A-Top Rock hip-hop or not? No, I mean maybe when it? we start. No, I don't think it was A-Top Rock. I, I listened to A-Top Rock. Aesop um, is undoubtedly yeah, hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's undoubtedly hip-hop. It's more like Sage Francis. and um, There was another guy from Canada. Or is Sage Francis? Oh, Buck 65. Buck 65. Okay, yeah. sure, sure. This is so I good. I was it. playing this CD when I first got my license. Oh, and, word. Like, the first time I drove by myself, this was like full blast. This is a good album, man. This is some good hip-hop shit. It's some real hip-hop shit like some rapping about whack mcs rapping about keeping it real they got the song about like the heartbreak on there you know what i mean it's like some real yeah it's some real boom bap hip-hop shit also i guess i just babies that don't shut up but yeah uh, buck 65 though he definitely went 
I mean, he signed with Epitaph, which was like an indie rock label, and he started making shit that was not Wasn't so hip hop. Sage Francis. Sage was with them too. I think. Oh, so yeah, too. he was with. I think so. I, I I'm not sure now that you mention it, but Honky Talking Blues, I think, yeah, yeah. was the one That's where the it kind of started going left. I like all of his early shit when he was making the beats, doing the scratches, uh, and like it was um, really like some personal strange shit like mm. centaur type of shit but yeah, yeah, yeah. i wouldn't call his music hip-hop now i mean unless he calls it hip-hop then yeah. it's fucking hip-hop yeah talking you know, honky so blues that. was like that was like the big album for me and then like from after that like something window i bought it yeah. but i was like mm. i kind of spiraled out of like uh there there was a real tide where um a bunch of like that music started being seen as like i, I personally i noticed like at a time there was like underground hip-hop heads listen to this and at the time backpack uh, like the term backpacker became kind of a like a negative like backpackers are fucking nerds mm. before backpackers used to have spray cans fucking brass knuckles knives and shit in their in their bags you know because we wore backpacks because we were moving tapes and all that mm. and then it became like this weird thing where it was like backpack rap was like for these internet nerds who are not really a part of the culture but just like this hip-hop that was not mainstream so if it talked about mainstream shit like going to the club fucking girls guns or whatever it was seen as like a bad thing by this internet backpacker community and the majority of that hip-hop backpacker community was like white suburban kids and so the all these white artists started kind of gravitating towards that as a fan base and right. i kind of moved away from it a little bit because of that personally yeah i think that's what my kind of problem with it is too because i think if you're around at that time you, i don't know it was something you didn't want to be associated with like if you really felt like you came from hip-hop you know I mean? uh, especially when you have a bunch of like suburban kids white or whatever who've never really been around like a hip-hop culture mm. and they're telling you that their favorite mcs are and it's just like a bunch of white cats. <laughs> and then they, but that's fine. But then they're telling you the MCs that they don't like. And you can see like a clear difference there. And it's almost yeah. like, it's like, what do you mean you don't like Black Thought? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what do you mean you don't yeah. like, you know, Jay Z or Nas? Like, mm. I, I, so many of those kids be like, my favorite MCs is like Sage Francis, Aesop Rock. Yeah. LP, Soul, and yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Whoa, whoa, you don't have any black people that you like? It's like, yeah, wow. And, and the co some of the conversations that would be said about that was like, oh, it's just smarter. You know, they're yeah. talking about like, and this is also around the, it's around yeah. the same time that Talib Kweli and Most Def and there's like all mm. this other stuff happening on yeah. in New York. Like yeah, I'm really glad that I did start off with like at least like, you know, Tupac and yeah. um, Biggie and stuff. Yeah. So like Wu-Tang and stuff. So mm. like, I you know, I've got my background down. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think it's fine. Like I'm a huge fan. There was a time where probably like my personal favorite MCs, probably like three out of five of them were like white guys. Mm -mm. My all-time favorite MC is Aesop Rock. Like yeah, I'm a right. huge, I'm a huge Aesop fan. I've been a fan of his for like 20 years. He doesn't disappoint me. Mm. But it, it's it's different. You know what I mean? Like mm. Red Man is also one of my favorites, oh. and Black Thought, and and you know, Aesop is also one of those guys who is unapologetically himself. Like he's not trying mm. to to like move into these spaces. You know, it, it's a, it's an interesting conversation, I think. Mm. But yeah, yeah. It, he the problem with Aesop Rock is his fan base is so fucking pretentious. 
Really? I'm I'm pretentious as shit sometimes too, <laughs> and and yeah, like oh, you know when I talk about it, it's like oh man, this is like a fucking genius bar, you know, and, and it's like but you look at his fans and it's like go to any, like go to his subreddit and it's just like ugh, you make me not want to like the fucking guy. Yeah right. Yeah right. I I just don't do like, like I don't do any of that stuff. Like the way I listen to music is just like if I like it, I like it. I don't even need to kind of. I mean, it's fun to talk to talk to other people about it, but like the main thing is I just listen to it. So like, I didn't really, I don't really think about the context and stuff, which yeah. I became aware of when I was talking to Aaron about it, because he's all about, I don't know, he's really, he's he, like, uh, he's, he's mindful well about what these type of things mean and what absolutely you know, based on the conversations I've had with you, it it, it it's a strange thing when somebody starts using an art form for their own like personal advancement on some culture vulture shit like there has yeah. i think yeah. hip-hop is a strange thing there has to be a like the, it, the, it's different than other genres of music for a lot of reasons i was just thinking about like there's no rap cover songs yeah. by this mm. by this i don't mean that there's not people people will straight up have an acoustic guitar and sing all right by kendrick lamar usually a white person usually an acoustic guitar so usually it's a musician performing it right but within the rap genre it's super rare that you'll see somebody do a rendition of another rap song you the samples is one thing but mm. yeah. you will not if, if for example like snoop dogg lottie Dottie, slick rick lottie Dottie, even the black star um children's story like those are almost a cover of it right it's yeah. the same type of approach but the lyrics are completely different yeah. Yeah. within hip-hop you can't just be like yo this is me i'm going to perform this uh gangstar track yeah. right yeah. on my album is here me rapping the verse from guru over a different beat to give yeah. homage to it as an actual cover hip-hop just doesn't have that mm -mm. and and i don't know if there's any i don't know if there's any other genres that are like that you're right. Yeah, I'm not sure that there is. With, with, with jazz, obviously, you know, it, it, there's a book of standards of you mm. to replay other people's music. Mm. Uh, singers will do other songs mm. in, in all of these genres. You Maybe know? the equivalent is, though, like no one, like you learn how to um, play certain like solos in jazz, like an improvised solo, but you would never perform that as your own thing. Well, Maybe? I mean, yeah, no, some people definitely do. Like, oh, do I mean, they? yeah, I mean, not the whole solo, that'd be impossible to do. But, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like, you play a Wayne Shorter song. You're not, like, but you I mean, there's. Like, there's you wouldn't perform the, the transcribed solo. No, I mean, you, you, you wouldn't, because it'd be harder to do that than just to make up your own shit, probably. Um. But, and, you know, you'd be laughed at. But, yeah, it, I don't know. I'm mm -hmm. not sure why that is. Personally, though, like I don't play anyone else's music. I'll sometimes play standards, but that's like, that's old. They're so old that it's like everyone's music. You know what I mean? And then I'll play them in my own way. You know, I don't really, mm. I don't think I play standards like anyone else does. But that's but like a legitimate part of being a jazz musician. Like, you know, these, yeah, you have, you have, have this like shared repertoire. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's not like a. But, but if I'm, if it's my band, like, I won't. You know, if my name's on the thing and, and uh, like, I'm going to compose all the music and do it all myself. Like, I'm not going to do any anyone else's music. And there's a few people like that in jazz that have that stance. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why hip-hop's the only genre like that. Because I think 
all genres should be like that. To there be are honest. two things that I can think of specifically, like two reasons. One is that like the way people rap is like traditionally, especially it's like you know you, you talk it, it's so personal. You talk right. about yourself and it's like your own experience and like negative and positive things. It's really really personal and that's what's meaningful about it. So right. if someone just takes it, it just takes away the meaning. Right. But we do it with poetry. Mm. People will read that's people's true. poems like. They'll read their poems. They'll read other people's poems. Maybe in a hundred years we will be like. Yeah, you know. I think uh, you know. There's a. There used to be like this unspoken, uh, like all these unspoken rules about making hip hop and doing hip hop, and because it was these really, um, how can I say it? These these really. It was a real subculture that hadn't reached this mainstream thing. So it was very much participatory. So you were in a community of people doing this art form, and within that community, you guys regulated, people would regulate the ethics and integrity and morals within that. So if you're around this group of people who are making hip-hop, and it's like, yo, you can't use that same sample with those same drums because that's biting, it becomes this framework that people have. And when it comes to rap music, First off, we know there's like no biting, right? Mm -hmm. And by biting, it also, it didn't mean just saying somebody's line. It also meant like affecting somebody else's style. You weren't like, what Action Bronson does that is comparable to Ghostface, that shit just didn't fly in the 90s. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, you were not allowed to do that. And there was gatekeepers that would prevent you from having success with that. And I think that maybe that rule is what prevents covers of rap music being something that is more widespread for now it's kind of a i reckon i reckon you're gonna see it change though to be honest because hip-hop's heading in the exact same way jazz has you know you can kind of see it clearly like the fact that there's hip-hop courses now and you can get a degree in it this shit is about to end up in the concert halls and then in small club like you know it's gonna go the same route as jazz i reckon yeah. and you know jazz is the exact same thing at the, at a certain time that like you couldn't copy anyone else because it was self-regulated -reg like the musicians and the people within the culture used to regulate it but then it gets commercialized then like you're seeing it now with trap music or anything it's like everyone's doing the same thing right. like no one's getting caught it on is it, it, it almost seems like a completely different genre to me mm. to be mm. honest with you like I, I i oftentimes make the distinction like i had a, I had a homie ask me like well what is what is hip-hop you know what i mean like if this indie rock band samples and then kind of wraps the thing is that hip-hop and i'm of the school that it's like there are certain aesthetic aspects about hip-hop but when it comes to hip-hop as art the person performing it has to say that it's hip-hop and they have to be intentionally trying to perform hip-hop music and you can't just say it you also have to almost have somebody be like co-sign it like I, I'm, I'm of yeah. that idea that's like, you know, if if I'm going, I make noise music and I'm hip hop, then this hip, this noise music now is now a hip hop thing. Right. I see what and you're and yeah. it's allowed hip hop is allowed to evolve in that direction, maybe because of the kind of limitations of uh, musicality, like we're sampling. So we're able to pull from all genres and you make it what you want it to be. But the intention kind of has to be there to make it hip hop. It, it for my own personal view on it is kind of that's the line that I draw and some of these kids they aren't making hip-hop as much as they are making popular music pop music yeah. that happens to have a 
you buy it from the hip hop section of the iTunes store, but they're not trying to be hip hop. They're trying to make pop hmm. music. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's it, 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 I, I was watching this really interesting um, video. Um, I don't remember the name of it. And I read the article, too, but it was talking about how um, how the um, the white racial framework of music theory. Right. It, the term music theory, mm-hmm. when it when you refer to that idea of music theory, generally we're talking about like the uh, harmonic style of 18th century European musicians mm-hmm. and how it's had this kind of um, because because it's the evolution of, of music and discussion and the hegemony of uh whiteness european whiteness and and white white and white whiteness but because of this hegemony that it's been framed that when you talk about music theory and music theory as being high art we're using this old framework of white europeans ideas of what music theory is and Mm -hmm. if you were to and, and and the limitations of that are very clear to anybody who kind of understands that music cannot necessarily be described with this I, I I can't remember um this Heinrich uh, Schenk, Schenker uh, foundation of musical description and in the video he goes on to discuss how the limitations of this white racial framework on the idea of music theory is and he also discusses how um, that narrative becomes something to dismiss and devalue other cultures who are not adhering to that mm-hmm. so for example this framework of what hold on let me rewind back so the framework of um, music theory has all these values that they try to associate with an objectivity of the way that music can be described in almost a mathematical form to make it seem as though this formula is a universal thing that can be used to describe all music right Mm -hmm. and and how this framework that is the dominant framework generally in the west music theory denotes this one style of counting music and describing music this tonal i think he was talking about Mm -hmm. and and how like jazz doesn't necessarily work like that Um, Mm. various jazz um indian music uh it doesn't work like that african styles of music don't work like that i imagine japanese styles of music don't work like that Mm. because they don't come from this this uh, dominant hegemony of this racial, this framework of music. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's so interesting to me how that has become so normalized as this objective standard for a quality or high art within music culture. Mm. And I'm, damn, this is a long ass rant. I I really should have just like, stopped and watched the video because I'm sure I'm not doing a good job describing it. Mm. But I wonder how that, I wonder how that works when describing like you as a as a uh, as a musician who's playing a an instrument that's far older than these 18th century European guys who are kind of the archetype for this theory, right? Like your your Beethovens and Bach and all these cats, yeah. right? So when you look at music theory, 
does that apply like on a one-to-one like a universal basis for the type of music you make even you aaron because you're you're playing jazz and that's not necessarily what is the what did i say heinrich schenker yeah this is like the kind of dominant so you're talking about like music theory or like are you specific like the way that we talk about like like melody and rhythm and stuff or do you mean you were were kind of originally talking about like how to categorize music and how it falls into well um the the article was by this guy named phil ewell and he was talking about how in the west um when we use the term music theory Mm. generally people are talking about these certain textbooks who would be be the dominant kind of um way to talk about theory in music right not not the correct and it's it's western and and specifically based upon uh a small number of white european males and also like one from like poland and you know what i mean like but but these 12 guys and the person who kind of popularized it this schenker Mm. uh cat who is in all these textbooks is is the way that um we we try to universalize that as the way to describe music objectively mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. is the like is it like the primary way to describe it objectively even yeah, though yeah. I got what you mean. obviously it doesn't work like that if you look at like even mm. you know uh any other western you couldn't use that theory to describe death metal you know what right. i mean you couldn't yeah. use that theory to describe uh a lot of jazz music it just doesn't it doesn't do a good enough job of describing it doesn't it doesn't but i don't know <sighs> to be honest with you it, it sounds like one of these weird sort of arguments that have come out of an academic sort of scenario where people are t- fucking chasing their own tail about something music theory is just like a language right it it really is a way of describing something and, and putting something in a context in which you understand it like the way we express concepts is with english like is English a white-centric, dominated way of expressing ideas? Probably. Maybe, you, I mean, definitely you can express different ideas in Japanese. But, like, you know, there's different cultures in music. Western music theory is precisely that. It's Western music theory. It's perfect for, for analyzing Bach, perfect for analyzing Mozart, Stravinsky. And to a certain extent, you could analyze Louis Armstrong solo or anything like that. You can put it in that framework and understand it. But the theory isn't important. And anyone who thinks so is a fucking idiot. The theory comes after the thing happens. Like the the the, the practice is is um, the thing in the forefront. So someone does something, and then you go back and you try and justify it with the theory and f- try and figure out what what they did. But you don't like try and do the thing that you do in the context of theory. Like that's you know what I mean. If you're doing that, right. then I'm sorry, you're not like making music. You're not being a musician. Like, or if you uh, or if you're making music that that way, then I probably don't know who you are. I think I think that was kind of what they were trying to describe, though. Like it's like uh, it is not an objective way to describe music. It just like language is not universal. Like there yeah. is no but right no, language. But no one's like if any no one's pretending that it is. Like Charlie Parker didn't sit down and was like, all right, let me invent this style. Like what's going to work with what people propose as theory. Mm. He made it, and then all the theorists went like, what the fuck is he doing? And figured it out theoretically. So now, thanks to that, people can go back and read the, read the music and analyze how these chords fit over, uh, how these notes fit over these chords, think about it in a theoretical sense, look at where he's crossing the bar line, like where mm. is he dropping a beat, where is he replacing it later, and you analyze it. But that's not 
music theory has nothing to do with music is kind of what i'm saying like yeah it's like if you're a saxophone player you're not going to analyze it in that way yeah if you wanted to learn about how charlie parker was playing yeah and like it it's totally correct that it's a like a eurocentric way of looking at stuff but mm. that's all it is it's just it's more of a technical thing yeah I it's guess. a technical like, thing you know one one way to use it is to like to write down music and so yeah. um one way that i can relate it to it is like for ethnomusicologists who would go around like studying different cultures musics right so and they would try and notate like say a, a native american chant or a japanese folk song or whatever and it's not like you can't put it into like four beats in a bar or whatever or maybe you couldn't even notate it in these like like a c g a kind of notes because there are like lots of really subtle movements and and a lot of people try to like figure out how to notate it because they want to write it down and that's again it's an academic yeah. approach it's, as a musician like it's totally different if you wanted to learn about indian music you have to go and live with your teacher for 10 years and wash the dishes and like sleep with your instrument for five years until you can even play anything right, and yeah. like it's more of a, a physical or an intuitive thing um but the notation system that like you would still use a similar i mean it still translates if you're going to look yeah, at you like can totally indian rhythms and i think language is like a really good um analogy for it because it's like because um say you know the english alphabet is used to you could write japanese words in the english alphabet now it doesn't translate exactly to how it would sound right but, but it's a tool to do it in, in a way that english speakers could at least sound it out and say excuse me where is takashimaya you know yeah um but it, it's naturally because it isn't the same thing it doesn't translate but that's okay and if you wanted to actually learn how to speak japanese you would go to the language school and learn your hiragana and kanji and do conversation lessons yeah like i don't think anyone's well, yeah, I don't think anyone other than academic theorists are looking at music through the lens of theory. Um, and, you know, furthermore, like if you have that, those basics of notation skills and understanding how, you know, meters and metric modulation and all of that sort of stuff work, well, then you can invent your own notation systems and your own theory. Mm. People like John Cage mm. or, you know, you, like I work in so many situations with people who aren't literate in music theory, but because I understand music theory, I could write out a system and figure out a system for like scratching notation or if I was working mm -hmm. with someone who was playing an SP404 I could figure out a system that they could understand um, that would you know that's theory like it's the justification of a thing that has already happened does, does that make sense yeah absolutely so, yeah. sorry I don't know why I'm attacking I, this no, so aggressively I just no, I like hate <laughs> fucking you, academics you know talking I, I about really this. I really do <laughs> like that though because you know as an outsider musician I was just intrigued by um, you know, this framework in which is kind of uh, uh, largely used to describe like uh, there were th in, in the article, they pointed out a few different pieces like that are in like Billboard magazine yeah. talking about how like, oh, the reason this Lady Gaga song is so good is because it fits all these fundamental qualities of music theory. And what they're talking about is not um, a system that somebody has developed to describe the music. They're comparing it to this system seen as an objective quality of what makes music good yeah. or bad. Well and that, that framework is what's interesting. I, to I, I totally understand it. Like what those idiots are talking about is <laughs> like Greek classicalism, right? The idea of symmetry. Like this is what Mozart's exactly, music is yeah. based on. It's like... 
This idea of symmetry where you've got phrases that cross, like, have the same bound numbers and all that stuff. But, like, we're already past that. Like, you hear a Robert Johnson song, like, that shit is not in any kind of metric sort of meter. Like, you know, since those days they've discovered Batar music from Cuba, like, it's changed, you know? Yeah. I think that kind of happens whenever we compare modern art to these classics as if the classics are the archetype or standard for what is good or bad it's like you know it's like this is not good because it's like not shakespearean like you know like Mm. yeah like it doesn't meet this this high art and and they usually do that to dismiss other art forms when when they're comparing it to these things that are held as classic or genius you know what i mean like Mm. shakespeare's dead like Totally. Hella yeah. dead. But and I you have to think about like what's relevant to us now yeah. as well. Sorry, what are you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I think like in the case where you're hearing someone riding in Billboard trying to justify why a Lady Gaga song is like the fucking, uh, you know, a great example of music theory or this is why this song works. It's like you just, you got someone who doesn't really know what they're talking about trying to sound intelligent. Like, mm. it's anyone who... Like, like those Aesop Rock fans kind of yeah. on the subreddit. <laughs> like, like, I and myself. Yeah. I don't go to Billboard for, like, my latest views about, like, musical theory or what's good music. Mm. I, generally, you have people who know a little bit about a subject who is trying to sound t- intelligent about it. But if you know about as much as... Th- about theory as much as I do, and I'll tell you, man, I know a fuckload about music theory. That is... It is just the most ridiculous way of, yeah. of looking at it, I think. And it's one of those... To What's me, it sounds like one of those classic cases where you have like academics trying to pro- propose questions that aren't that interesting, that mm-hmm. they're trying to find answers to. And then this endless thing of proposing like problems that need to be solved and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And when that shit enters, something is like, mm-hmm. un- like just unrelevant to music as music theory. Because it's yeah. not. It's not relevant. Well, that's the thing. And like, you know, they're, who are they presenting to? And like most, most of the time, musicologists are presenting their ideas to other musicologists. They're yeah. not you know getting an audience of musicians or songwriters sure. yeah. so like case in point it's just like that's it's the nerds it's not the people participating well, it's just in it's, it's it's a different um demand i guess it's a different audience a different purpose yeah. sure. and that's why they become musicologists not performers yeah. or writers i guess yeah. anyway so sorry Megan. no 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 hey, hey, we talk uh, about this a no lot. this is this <laughs> is something i'm interested in you know i'm not i'm not a uh, a trained musician on any instrument so it's one of the things that i ponder because uh, i it's always an outsider position in terms of uh like why is this music so dope like what complex thing is happening that makes it sound this way like i can catch aesthetic values and and you know my analytical instrument is refined enough that i'm like this nirvana song hits different than this aaron cholai track because Mm. certain musical qualities and so i just like to you know i I think it's an interesting thing to kind of parse out and try to try to think about so yeah but i can see how it's uh not so useful when it comes to performing it now now with an instrument that um is somewhat unconventional Mm. uh like the koto uh, it's it's you know not a bass, it's not a regular guitar. Mm-hmm. Is it easy for you to like translate that to other music genres? If you sat down in front of the Koto, could you like figure out the keys to they reminisce over you or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like s- yeah, don't sweat the technique. I got these napkins, man. If you're interested in that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's. It, I mean, there are a lot of logistical issues before we get into stylistic stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and have um, you ever done that like just yeah, like yeah. freak some real uh, does any of your music like have are you like remixing you know uh hieroglyphics crew or <laughs> 93 till infinity <laughs> on the kodo I, i should do you think it would be dope like it, it, what do you think aaron is that something that could be dope or is it just like don't do that is it like I, I don't know it just depends like how you would yeah, do it depends it. on what track you choose sure. and why and how you know why you're doing it and certain tonal qualities to it yeah you know i mean i think w with like loop-based music which is hip-hop like you know traditionally like it's you have to think really hard about how to do it tastefully mm. if you're going to translate it into any live context anywhere sure. regardless of what instrument you might use i'd I be think. down to hear that <laughs> I mean, just like like not even like for public consumption, but just, you know, it, it, it's a curious thing to me because you've never the, the tone of the Kodo is so unique to to the Kodo. I think like mm. I, I don't really yeah. hear that that the sound I, and and uh, maybe tone is not the correct music no, no. theory word to use, but no, it just sounds different, you know. Like yeah, I no, definitely. And that. that's something that I do. Like I, I haven't played hip hop before. Not really. But um, I have definitely like played in a lot of like jazz bands or like um, pop stuff or, you know, people have like asked me to like be in the band and like I have to try and adapt to these tunes. And like, like I said, there are a lot of logistical issues because there are only a limited number of strings, 13 or 17, as opposed to the piano who ha that has 88 keys. Right. So you just run into a lot of logistical problems and then... Most of the time there's a way around it. Sometimes it's harder than others, depending on the tune. But then once you have the logistics figured out, then you have to think about, like, okay, aesthetically, tonally, how do I fit in? Why, you know, and if you're getting a koto in the band, you have to have a good reason to, right. or else it's like, why bother? Mm. And it could sound really bad. Right. Because I, and especially me personally, I don't want it to sound really koto-y because it's like, I'm, that's just not who I am. I'm not really interested in doing like coming and playing just cherry blossom viewing music. It's like you could get someone else to do that. I'm not, mm. I, you know, I've got nothing against it, but as an artist, that's not what I'm interested in doing. And I really want to like make music that's kind of more um, unexpected from that instrument. And that's why I play the Koto. That's the, the, why I'm doing these kind of different tunes. So. Mm. Often when I'm playing with like other Western instruments, like you said, the tone, it is really uniquely kind of Japanese. It's got that plucked sound. Mm -hmm. And so I try and like, I don't want to say like, I don't want to disguise it or anything, but like, um, I don't want it to sound just really like a typical Japanese instrument sure. because that then that's all people hear and they don't hear what I personally am trying to do. Sure. So this is kind of like turning into something Have you else, thought about like getting a pedal set up, running through a bunch of different guitar pedals, you know what I mean? Yeah. Get a little reverb. I've been trying that a little bit, actually. <laughs> oh, I was just kidding, but okay, that's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, there are some people that do that. And um, we have Aaron get on there with like a theremin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like really freaky. Yeah. yeah. I can get on there with the triangle. Yeah, yeah. man, like anything's yeah. possible. So. Yeah, that's dope. Hey, let me play a, a public service announcement. Hold on, I have a public service announcement here. The less coverage you get on it, the more innovation coming on it. So it's always going to be, wow, where this come from? The less we show them, and the more brothers like you want to dig into it, it'll come, it'll rise up. Everything ain't gotta be put out there right away. You know, some, something out there have a way of, of nourishing and coming up. 
That's the thing about hip hop, man. It's forever elevating and forever changing. Shout, shout out to Cool Herc for that. And I know Afro you want me to play that again? Do so we all get that? Yeah. Yeah, man. Sometimes it comes from inertia. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't have very much else to talk about. Do you guys want to share some music? Sure. Maybe we got like, yeah. what, 10, 15 minutes more of this joint? Sure. Yeah. Oh, we should play one of your songs. Why am I tripping? Uh, I am tripping like super bad. Oh, my goodness. Hold on. Uh, hold on. You want to play something from the album? Yeah, sure. Okay. Hold on. Which one should we play? I like Burning House. I like um, oh, yeah. While I Was Crossing uh, crossing the Bridge. Yeah. And oh, the, yeah. Title, the title track is also good, too. Yeah. Which one do you want to do? So we got... I like the title track. All right, let's do that. I'm so silly, man. Why did I even think about it? Like, uh -huh. we're supposed to play the uh, musician's music <laughs> on the music share part. Instead, uh, I'm talking about fucking uh, 18th century European hegemony. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right. So tell us about this, please. So this is the piece that I was telling you about um, before, about the, um, it's about origami essentially it's this type of origami that you make these different units and then you make these 3d um shapes and it looks really cool and so it that relates to the cover art too which is actually a painting of a jewel but it looks similar to one of the 3d oh, shapes okay. and so yeah actually the artwork is by um a childhood friend of mine we've been friends since we're about eight years old oh wow she's an australian painter her name is lucy farmer Shout out to Lucy because the cover art is, um, you know, it's one of the first things I noticed. It's so striking. Yeah, thank you. It's a, uh, it's a mixed media. Uh, I think it's acrylic paint and like collage. So it's got like bits of paper and stuff on it. It looked like there might be some. Oh no, I was gonna say maybe some watercolor in there, but no. Yeah, possibly. I'm, I yeah. must admit, I'm looks not really dope. Sure. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about art theory. <laughs> White dominated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. Uh, but, but yeah. Yeah, so it's like um, Sono, this track Sonobe has three movements to it and each one is about three minutes long and um, each movement focuses on a different technique and so that gives, and like the f this one's called Mashiro which is pure white, the next one is Hekishoku which is... Uh, pure white, that's like that uh, 18th century... Uh, oh yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I, I'm sorry, I'm a dumbass. I, I hate to distract from it but I have to do it sometimes. <laughs> like a, it's like a strange like impulse. <laughs> but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, second movement is um, focused on like a different mood and technique and it's like a deep blue like I got an emerald I can't remember how I translated it and then the last one is Makura which is pitch black and like different mood again so yeah like she uses the koto in a really um, interesting way which is really like why it spoke to me it was like this the mood is like you know, it's not really hard to listen to. You can kind of just like put it on in the background, but you could also, there's a lot of detail that you can like listen to if you want to sit down and listen to it properly. This is just one person performing this? Is this yes. all you? There's yeah. all the sounds happening right now. It's just one instrument. Yeah. Not, not like recorded on tracks. It's mm -mm. all happening at this. Yes. Yeah, so it's actually like it sounds quite simple, it's but it's quite hard. It's, it sounds like m at least two instruments. Mm. Could you hear the? Yeah, yeah. 
No, I mean, because I was around and you know, I was practicing all this stuff. Like, it's super hard music to play. But mm. that's what's beautiful about it. It's not yeah. I don't, It's not hard for the sake of impressing yeah, anybody. It's, it's not hard for the listener. Like, I think yeah. it's great that you picked up on it. But, like, if you were just, like, listening to it, you'd just right. be like, you know, it does. it's not challenging to the listener, you know. Yeah, it's not like some math rock shit. It's it's mm. it, I I thought I thought there was like you and somebody else performing it because it yeah. sounds it, it just seems like there's such a variety of like I, I don't want to say tones but like yeah. sounds happening yeah. like mm. two string instruments but mm. I guess that's like one of the qualities of a koto. Mm. I, I I I can honestly I I've, I've, I've not listened to it to a koto too much going somewhere with that but i don't remember where we're going so there's just <laughs> gonna have to be a cut there oh, sorry. Uh, I, I think i was saying that i don't i don't listen to dakota too, mu- too much and so i don't really um know how it's like, like how how it how it sounds like when it's not used as like some device for something like the only times that i've ever heard it is like i don't know like a travel commercial like go to the right. land of japan you know right. look at this fucking pagoda you know what i mean yeah. it's always in like that type of context or something that is like here goes something that is explicitly japanese for mm-hmm. you or you know kung fu hustle right and it's just like oh these motherfuckers is ill yeah. you know what i mean but yeah. but it, it's never it's it's almost never in the context of listen to this as music right. it's always listen to this as an accent of mm. an aesthetic we're trying to provide yeah so and that's exactly what like the people like my teacher and her teacher who sent her overseas and then i came out of that um that's exactly what they're trying to do is like for it not to be attached essentially to this idea of traditional like you know ancient culture that's kind of rigid you know? yeah I, I it's obvious you know it's a it's an art form it, it mm-hmm. is it is an actual instrument and not something just yeah. used to kind of be like yo check out japan Mm. Yeah. But that's mm. the only context that I know it from. Right. But and it's also like important to know where it came from, obviously, just like anything else. Right. But but then it's a hard thing. Like the, the challenge is to like then still being aware of its traditions and where it came from and still using that and then taking it somewhere else. Yeah. Somewhere else. yeah a- as I listened to the album, I was like, I'm listening to it and, and usually I use music to kind of air condition my 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 myself you know like mm-hmm. i use it to change my my feeling of the day or how i want the day right. to sound so sometimes i'll go out and i'll walk the city and i'll listen to like a jazz joint or i'll clean the house and i'll listen yep. to some like uh, psychedelic rock or something mm. and i was listening to this and i was like i'm not sure what i do to this music mm-hmm. because it, like it it's a little bit too tonal for me to read to you know what i mean yeah. and now so as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to just listen to this yeah, exactly. and chill out and listen to this. I'm not supposed to use it as like air conditioning here. I, I should right. listen to this. This isn't something that you go into like a Starbucks and mm. it provides an atmosphere. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess you could, but yeah. it doesn't seem like that to me. You yeah. know what, I, you yeah, get yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying? No, like, for sure. It's like, I mean, I guess there's. It's a good point to make. There's different ways of listening to stuff, and mm. and all music shouldn't be like you know taken in in the same way. Otherwise, you might miss the point of it. You know what I mean? Like, there's some some music is vibe music and sets the mood. But like when you're talking about art music, I guess which uh, to me this would classify as art music. Let's ca- it's kind of right, like right. 
it's like a book or it's like a, a movie like you said you sh you don't have to but i think you miss a lot unless you sit down and actually just yeah. pay attention and yeah you get most the most out of it yeah if you pay a little bit of attention yeah you follow everything what's happening like you know like not vibing like it really it's a it's supposed to be thought provoking like noticing the different sounds and the different textures and the decay of the note and Mm. Like really paying attention to what's going on. It's a hard thing for people to do as well, to listen in that way. It seems very, um, it, it almost seems like each track has kind of a narrative, right? Like there's a mm. story being told through these different movements. Right. Uh, uh, and is that something that w when you're when you're playing playing this music, is it something that people usually try to, you try to provide a context for before they hear it? So like if I go to your show, do I get like a, brochure that says this song and these three movements mean these colors or is it just something that is like pick up on the motif <laughs> you know what i mean but yeah yeah um you know when you do classical music and especially when it's new music not just like like something like beethoven like that let me come down on that we're like in <laughs> the middle of it <laughs> you know what I mean? um i always kind of think about whether to like, at, okay, so at a normal classical concert, especially with new music, you do have a brochure, like a program and saying like, so this, this is the description of the piece, this is what, like maybe the composer wrote some words about it. And that's the kind of traditional way to go about things. But um, when I go to those kinds of concerts, especially when like there's a lot of really complicated stuff, like, oh, it's to do with the cosmos and like, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna listen to it and sure. make my own story up for it you know sometimes it helps and it depends on the person if i tell the story about it people are like oh cool and then sometimes i choose not to say anything and people might just react to it in the way that they want to so it's kind of like yeah you could do it either okay. way yeah yeah i mean I, I i listened to the album uh a few times and i didn't pick up on any of the colors or <laughs> you know what and i mean and like that's I fine like, you shouldn't yeah, yeah, like you, do, you but do it's definitely don't need yeah, to and so i didn't know I if that was like a something that is like before you step in mm. check out like the meaning no i'm definitely like more open to like i i really like it how people different people hear different things um completely differently like you might see orange and i might see red if we're just talking about colors like maybe you see a baby alien and i'll mm. see like you know um monster with the head of a lamb mm. like you know and i love that because like we never experience things the same even if we're in the exact same space looking at exactly the same thing so like i think that's great but some people like to be specific say this is what this is about and what i want sure. you to think about that but I, I think that's pointless even if you explain it you're still not gonna if i say it's you know it's about this shape and they're like oh, okay this shape if there was like some device that showed you exactly onto the screen what people are imagining, I guarantee it won't be the same thing. Yeah, I, w I imagine like playing video games. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this new game called Ghost of Tsushima where it's like you're in this like Edo period samurai guy, and I was like, oh, this is perfect for that. Is oh like really? Kira Kurosawa type of era. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. some yeah, real right. dope shit. So I mean, but that's also just because like I very much associated with all of the other Japanese iconography that right. comes with it. But yeah, it's a beautiful album and uh, thank I thank you for making it and thank you for sharing it and having this conversation with us. Is there anything we'll else we should hit on Aaron? Let's, let's talk about some of those shows again. Uh, yeah. Or what? is it, wait, 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 wait. Is there anything, is, is there anybody that's making music within this circle that you think is dope? Like, avant-garde kind of instrumentals like uh, not instrumentals but uh, musicians 
like uh, not not limited to like new music yeah i mean like anything that you think is like a really dope musician or making something interesting uh can i say two names yeah one i mean let's maybe we should find one of them you want to type it in okay well this guy who i've been listening to lately heaps his name he's a japanese singer songwriter his name is vok v-o-c okay oh sorry q i meant q Okay, he has an album, Yona. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Uh, any of these in particular? Yeah, one second, let me think. Cloudland. Yeah. He's, he's like kind of like a mix of like, I hear a lot of Radiohead in him, hey. but like, I don't know. I don't know how to, it sounds kind of simple and really easy to listen to again, but it's just like, it's actually really, really well done. And I saw him in this show. I saw him in this show in a small cafe and like, uh, like somewhere off the Yamanote line. And okay, yo, this is dope already. I like it. Yeah. At first, I thought it. Do you guys know uh, who uh, Nobukazu Takemura is? No. Really dope. It, the the music sounds a lot like Nobukazu, but uh, without vocals. You know, mm. uh. like Nobukazu made an album. I think it's called Scope, and it's all like found sound sampled and and kind of you know manipulated, but f- like from a boat. And oh, it's wow. just like really, really dope, dope music. But yeah, this is great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go out to this. Let's uh, let's uh. play this and let's let's uh, let's share some uh, social media type of joints. Yeah, uh, you can find me at Aaron Chulai on Instagram and whatever, and uh, Numbuku Records on Instagram and Bandcamp. And check out his newest album. Raw Denchi, man. Uh, yeah, we actually will be playing a live version of it at Batika on uh, October 23rd. Really? 23, in yeah. Ebisu. In Ebisu, Is yeah. Daichi coming up here? No, Daichi's not, not going to be on this one, but it's like we'll be doing some stuff from the album, but it's actually all new music in that similar vein. More oh, Kind of more, I don't want to say more challenging, but like if you like Raw Denchi for the reasons that you probably do like it, then I think you're gonna be everyone's gonna be really into the to this next one. Oh tight. I wanna go to that. <laughs> and where can we find you, Miyama? Uh Instagram. My handle is um Queen Miyama. I've got a bandcamp page, etc. Okay, tight. All of those are in the show notes. Thank you guys for listening to episode number one hundred and twenty six, part B. Uh shout out to Soul Dope ninety five for the musical bed. And yeah, look at the description. Everything's in there. I'll even put the description to the article that I was talking about, uh, about all that music theory stuff. And I'm going to send that to Aaron so he can have more venom for it. Yeah. And then <laughs> Meg is also going to put my rebuttal in the, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> 10,000 word rebuttal here. <laughs> Breaking down you idiots. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, check this out. Cloudland Vok V O Q.